Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. Dean Richard Sunday morning. Elton Jim, fresh off of his 208th Elton John concert (laughs) over at the Soldier Field. Uh, Also joining us this morning, we'll hear more about the the concert. We'll we'll hear what details Jim cares to share with us (laughs) about the uh, concert coming up later on. Uh, But now uh, it's uh, one of our favorite times of the week. When we can uh, chat with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern's Central DuPage Hospital, uh, Mister Doctor Most, welcome in. Nice to <laughs> Mister Doctor. Nice, nice to talk to you. Got any more titles there? <laughs> Good morning. I was going to say, morning, you guys, Mister oh. Most, and I remembered he's a doctor. I thought I should be calling him Doctor Most instead. Uh, so, uh, is monkeypox the biggest thing we should be worrying about? Right now, it, no. just, it just seems like, oh, really? Okay. No, I still think we should be certainly still more worried about BA5 and COVID and what's going to go on when school comes back and hmm. the impact of Lollapalooza and Elton John concerts and things like that. Right, but yeah, right. certainly, I think the education factor for monkeypox is important. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't be everybody rushing in arms uh, being concerned about it right so now. we so uh, you know because you know uh, when you watch the news you just hear stories about how super contagious this is now uh and there are shortages of uh, vaccines so people should not be concerned about uh getting vaccinated for the, for the monkeypox well I, I think that really when you look at the vaccine it, it's interesting when we look at covid vaccine we have so much of it that you know you 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 have to be careful walking into a pharmacy or you might get a COVID vaccine where uh, with monkeypox, it's the exact opposite. Obviously the population that has a higher chance of exposure certainly needs to be vaccinated and the logistics of getting the vaccines in the right place is one thing, but also the limits of the, the volume of vaccines. So it'll be really interesting this week, you know, the FDA put in to look at Instead of taking a full dose of the vaccine, can we split that up into five doses? And instead of, you know, giving the needle deeper into the arm, just give it superficially so that we can do five times the amount of individuals uh, vaccinated mm. and still get the immune response that we need to slow the spread of this. So the depth of the needle plays a role? Absolutely. So, you know, when we get a lot of vaccines, we give them what we call IM, so into the muscle, into that deltoid muscle. You know, we want to make sure we get it below this layer of the skin. Well, the skin is highly vascular, so that distributing this vaccine just below the skin, we expect to get a really big immune response. Individuals who used to get polio vaccines, you remember you used to have that little mark on your arm, right. and that was because we put that there at that point to get this big immune response. So, It'll be interesting to see if it gets approved. Uh, certainly something we need as the amount of individuals who want to get this vaccine certainly outnumber the uh, availability of the vaccine. So uh, how is monkeypox spread now? Is it a skin-to-skin contact? Yeah, it's more direct contact, skin-to-skin, secretions-to-secretion. So, you know, being in a room with an individual where for COVID we're very concerned, the exact opposite for monkeypox. Unless you have direct contact with that individual, very close contact, the chance of you getting it is very small. Now, that being said, the virus, you know, the vaccine, excuse me, the virus will make these lesions on your skin that break open 
and have a lot of active virus. So direct contact with that mm. certainly allows for spread. Okay. All right. So just, you know, everybody be careful for now uh, with all of that. Uh, where are we uh, now with uh, COVID and BA5 uh, and uh, transmission rates? I know in certain parts of the country are uh, over uh, 40%, right? Yeah. We, you look at the entire country. If you took every t- every county in the entire country, over 40% of them are at the high transmission rate. That would have been unheard of if we went back, you know, three, four months, where even around here in Chicago, we were at the low to mild transmission rate. So certainly we're seeing the impact of BA5 and how well and how easily it spreads. So the big concern, I think, is going to be what's going to go on when we open the schools here in just a couple of weeks uh, and have a lot of children back in that environment with low vaccination rates. Are we going to see another large bump in the adult population as well yeah as we start going back inside when the weather begins to get colder again as well that's going to be an issue all of that with uh, the prospect of this new booster shot which everyone is saying is going to come sometime in september a lot of people holding off on getting a second booster shot because they want to wait to get the new and improved shot and you know i know that question is going to come up 20 times on our text line this morning should people wait yeah dean you know if if you think last time we spoke we were saying hey we're going to get the approval for those under the age of 50 to get that second booster well not only didn't that come it came in the opposite saying no we're going to hold off and we want you individuals to wait until the new vaccine comes out and when i say new vaccine people need to understand that the new vaccine is going to be the original covid vaccine but also have protection from BA5, which is this dominant strain that's running rampant right now. So the window of opportunity for us to get that out there is fairly small, right? Look at the number of cases that are happening right now. By the time we distribute it, is BA5 going to be so widely spread that the vaccine doesn't have as much impact as we would hope it would if it were available today? So I'll tell you, you know, I don't know whether to say it's missteps or communication, but certainly our decisions on vaccines overall will certainly be looked at in Monday morning quarterbacks for decades to come. Yeah, it's a little bit hard to believe that, you know, over the past two and a half years, it, it it's almost as if we haven't learned anything about how to distribute all of this, uh, how to make decisions about it, who should be making the decisions uh, about uh, all of this. Do you agree? Well, you know, we certainly have had some brilliant minds doing it, and we certainly had restrictions on the logistics of how do we get this there? If you remember, initially, we had to have this super frozen, you know, we had to, we had hospitals buying right. uh, special freezers for this. And now you can walk into the CVS and, and get a shot without even, you know, waiting. So certainly, uh, we've had some learnings that has allowed us to get the distribution much wider. But certainly, from an overall point of view, we're going to be looking back and saying, what did we learn? What could we have done better? Because that list is fairly long. Yeah, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and get to as many of your questions as possible. Text or phone 312-981-7200. Dr. Kevin Most, Central DuPage Hospital on the line with us as always to answer your questions 312-981-7200. Kev, I don't know if you heard the news just came over about a half an hour ago that President Biden now has been officially cleared to emerge from isolation uh, following his rebound COVID-19 case. 
Uh, talk to me a little bit about the rebound uh, COVID. Yeah, it's interesting, Dean. When we look at the number of people who have been put on Paxlovid, the, the medication that can slow the spread of this illness, that a small portion of them get what we call a rebound case. They come back and all of a sudden they're testing positive again. Some have more mild symptoms. The president had very mild symptoms on the rebound. But we're still trying to figure out why is that? Is it that the medication didn't work? Is it they got re-exposed? Well, in the president's case, you could probably say that the medication didn't work as well as it was supposed to. But certainly those individuals, the other 95% who are not getting the rebound case, look at this medication as a, a medication that certainly has decreased the amount of symptoms, the length of symptoms, and has made them much more comfortable quicker than had they not taken it. The uh, president's physician uh, wrote in a letter uh, released about a half an hour ago this morning, uh, the president's SARS-CoV-2 antigen testing was negative for a second day. He will safely return to public engagement and presidential travel. Is that what's safe? I mean, when, when you come out of COVID like he did, how long do you wait after that? How many tests do you have to have? What's the, what's the proper and safe protocol following? Yeah, on? well, right. But we're actually telling people not to test, right? We're telling people, hey, somewhere between five and seven days after your initial onset, if you don't have symptoms and you're fever-free, don't worry about it. Now, he's being overly cautious and is being tested every day. But we know that some people will be testing positive for 10 days, 20 days, 30 days, even when, in fact, they may not be contagious. So we're not looking for everybody to chase that negative test, but certainly to use common sense as far as are they still symptomatic? Are they still coughing? Do they still have a fever? Those cases, certainly, I don't care whether you're day five, day seven, day 10, you certainly need to continue to be um, quarantined or isolated. The president did exactly what he was supposed to do, right? Isolated himself, worked, you know, essentially virtually for the past, you know, seven to 10 days and is now tested positive, excuse me, tested negative uh, twice. So very good that he's doing and setting a great example for us. But I think the general public needs to know we don't need to continue to chase that negative test because the cost of it and the accuracy of it is quite low. Here's Pete. You're on with Dr. Kevin Most on WGN. Hi there, Dr. Dr. Most. Um, my question is about, um, I'm wondering what the transmission would be with, um, let's say, for instance, it's raining out, and now now the surface is wet. So somebody sits down, and there, there's previous person had open sore from the, the monkey box, and the person sits down, and I'm wondering if it could be spread that way. Pete, you know, you hit on a very good point that we understand that monkeypox can be transmitted by individuals who touch surfaces with open lesion, and then it's followed up by touching a lesion shortly thereafter by someone who is not infected. So totally different than COVID, where we're, if you remember, we were microwaving our mail and washing everything with bleach. Um, certainly with monkeypox, we know that there can be that transmission by touching an inert object, not just the individual themselves. So you need to be aware of your environment, who's around you that has potentially has this illness, and especially those with the uh, open sores and the open rash. Thank you for the call. Uh, the uh, 847 area code, I'm 66 years old. I went in for a third booster uh, as my last was in April. The pharmacist said they have not approved a third booster yet. 
Uh, my main shot and two boosters were all Pfizer. Is that is that true, or, or what they're saying? No, that's true. <clears throat> so, you know, right now we have the regular series. The first two are the one Johnson & Johnson, and two boosters have been approved after that. So a third booster has not been approved yet. Will that be approved? My opinion, it will be, especially when the new vaccine is rolled out because you're going to have a lot of people that are going to be anxious to get that coverage and that protection for the BA5, which will be found in, the, in that vaccine. But currently right now, a third booster is not approved. So when I was at Lollapalooza, I saw very few masks out in the crowd. What about the Elton John concert, uh, Jim? Not a mask to be found. Interesting. Okay. Not a mask to be found. In these large group settings, Kev, where you know people are dancing and singing and jubilant, uh, potential super spreader events? Absolutely. You know, and the risks for the two groups are actually kind of interesting and different. If you went to Lollapalooza and you, you know, there's 10 bands playing, you don't know the words, but certainly we're jamming this group of individuals as close as possible. We're serving them alcohol, and it's a demographic that feels that they're pretty much, you know, invincible. So certainly a great potential there. Look at the Elton John concert, and, you know, not to make a difference of the demographics, but probably an older demographic, but interestingly enough, probably know every single word of every single song and sang along with him for these. So again, the, the chance of spreading virus, you know, out while you're singing, yelling, screaming, uh, much higher. So the protection in the Elton John concert, I bet you, if you asked everybody who walked in, how many of them were vaccinated, you'd probably be well north of, you know, 60% of people. At Lollapalooza, you're probably closer to 30%. So both of them have potential, but for two different reasons and two different demographics. Now, so, when, I, when I was crowd surfing at Lollapalooza. <laughs> when you were in the mosh pit. When I was in the mosh pit. <laughs> I was wearing my mask, I, so yeah. I was protected then, right? When, when I was uh, being passed uh, hand over hand uh, through the crowd? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. You had 100% protection. <laughs> so as you say, the, the chances spread COVID would be more during Crocodile Rock than I guess that's why they call it the blues? In terms of people knowing the, the, the lyrics or... One hundred percent. I mean, look, you've been to two hundred and eight of these. You probably know that people think that their voice is just as good as Elton John's and want to sing along with him. Well, listen to my voice. Listen to my hoarse voice today. What do you think I was doing? Yeah, exactly. Well, you're you're with those people all the time. That's like uh, we're immune. What what did you call it? You know, when you were with your family when during the the worst of the pandemic and you stayed within your own social group. You know, your family. That's you with <laughs> right exactly. 70,000 people right. at Soldier Field. Uh, the 847 area code said, I'm leaving September 21st for a driving trip through the Smokies. Uh, when do I get my second booster? If you're going well, on vacation, when should you get your second booster? Yeah, right now, I would get say, if you're eligible for that second booster, get it now. You know, what we're really trying to do is protect you from the BA5. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me, we know that the BA5 even with the second booster, you can get it, but you're going to have much milder symptoms and a shorter duration of illness. If you're going to be driving, especially, it's interesting, you know, you're going to be in a car, hopefully, with just individuals you know. You're going to be going to hotels, you know. So it's really your exposure is not going to be similar to a concert, but certainly you should try to get your protection rate up as high as it can, and that would be with the vaccine as soon as possible. Very good. Dr. Kevin Most is the chief medical officer Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Kev, I hope you have a great day today. Thank you so much as always. You got it, team.